You're listening to Once, episode 186, Enter the Dragon. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron. Thank you very much for joining us. We're going to talk about this episode, Enter the Dragon. And I know, well, you might not be as obsessive over this as I am, but a lot of people <laughs> are confused about the timeline with this episode, the flashbacks of it. Hmm. So before we talk about the past, as we normally do, I want to try to just address some of the timeline issues of this episode. I just want to say the past is in the past. Let it go. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's always bothered me anyway. <laughs> when we first see Regina in that barn, a scene that we'll get to talking about in just a moment. Where she was not raised, by the way. Right. We see Snow riding on a horse. We do. It's... Or probably a stunt double. It's Jennifer Goodwin's voice. So mm -hmm. it's adult Snow's voice, and it looks more like adult Snow riding the horse. But yeah, it's probably more like a stunt double. <laughs> but we don't actually see her. So most likely the age here, I know some in the community have thought that maybe this happened when Snow was about 18 years old, which I think complicates things even more. But I would say <laughs> she's probably a teenager at this point, maybe 14 years old or so. And they didn't want to get Bailey Madison for just, hey, would you ride on a horse across this scene for us, please? That's all right. we need you for. Yeah, that's it. Maybe. So <laughs> I'm going to guess this is maybe two or so years after Regina married King Leopold. Hmm. Sure. I have no objection to that. <laughs> and in this episode, I'm thinking, well, it's definitely after the events of We Are Both, which is where Regina first started to learn magic from Rumpel. Because right. that was the wedding time. So it's definitely after those events. Yeah. I'm thinking it's also after The Doctor. Because if you remember the episode The Doctor, that's where Regina struggled with her distraction about wanting to bring Daniel back from the dead. And that was really distracting her heavily. And she looked young then. And she was in the mm -hmm. stable girl outfit then. She's in that same kind of stable girl outfit in this episode. Right. But they didn't uh, make her look as much younger. Right. And in this episode, she's wearing a red cape almost the whole time over mm -hmm. that stable girl outfit. And they've said, Eduardo Castro, who is a genius with the costumes on this show, has said <laughs> that they've always had this plan that they change Regina's colors and outfits as she becomes more and more evil. Hmm. Uh, the outfits and colors used in this show are very symbolic of a lot of things. And yeah. like when Regina is in her most evil state, she's wearing a lot of red and uh, not and not black. red, but a lot of black. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Early on state, she's wearing more red. So in this episode, and she is wearing red. Blue kind of to start out with. That's kind of yeah. what I think of. Yeah. So I'm thinking because she's wearing that red cape, this is a little bit further along that she's had more time to really grow contentious against Snow. So this is probably after the events of the Doctor. But I think it's definitely before the events of Darkness on the Edge of Town, because that's when Rumpel gets the three witches to help him steal the Dark Curse. 
and Maleficent is totally in control, then she's not a oh, druggie, yeah. then. So that would be after this. <laughs> I agree. Clear as mud. Yeah. See, yeah, I wasn't all that confused. Nothing was presented that really stood out to me as in any way inconsistent timeline-wise. Well, there are some continuity problems, but we'll get into those sure. more later on. <laughs> One in particular. Seriously, ABC, we've got someone should I say on the podcast. Particular. <laughs> we've got someone on the <laughs> podcast team that would be excellent as a continuity expert for you. You've heard her before. Rumpel's girl is totally available. She's willing. She'd love to do it. Contact us if you want her to be part of she your team. She doesn't sleep. Ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Perfect person for the job because mm-hmm. she's our forum moderator too. But so let's get into talking about this episode. Starting out with this scene that's happening there in the barn, all of those <laughs> trophies. Yeah. And I love the irony of the the thing about the horse and Rumpel loves pointing out the irony. <laughs> there is more irony there. I felt too, because I just thought it was funny because I know that Jennifer Goodwin had quite a horse accident when they were filming. I think it was episode two of this series and ended up having to get stitches and go back to set the same day. They talked about it in the um, the commentary. Oh, yeah. It's even more ironic (laughs) when you add that in. (laughs) Why do you suppose Cora would have had a book that belonged to Maleficent? Cora? Did they say that? That Cora had it? Regina's mother. She said she got it from her mother. Huh. Because she got Rumpel's book from her mother, too. Right. Her well, mother was very much obsessed with magic. And magic books, apparently. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe, and doesn't keep them safe. So maybe Cora would go around not only stealing hearts, <laughs> but stealing books, too. <laughs> right. Stealing hearts and knowledge. We think Cora was a not a friend of Maleficent? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, we don't mm-hmm. really know anything about any relationship they might have had, do we? Maleficent yeah. seems to not age. Oh, that's kind of true. So it's possible that Cora and Maleficent had some friendship or frenemyship going on before. Yeah, and we could see that if that becomes relevant. We could see it if they ever give us the backstory of the this backstory, like the Sleeping Beauty backstory, because that, that timing-wise would probably line up if Aurora and Regina are actually pretty close to the same age. That could be cool. Which is kind of weird but but i feel like they don't have a need to necessarily show us that story they've alluded to it enough times that it might not be something they actually need to show us like most of the other fairy tales as we know them like cinderella for example we just did the review the Mm -hmm. movie review of cinderella if you haven't listened to that yet go over to onespodcast.com slash 184 where jenny and i reviewed cinderella and in the episode the price of gold they showed Cinderella, but they showed everything like outside of the main events. So I wouldn't be surprised if they don't show us the Sleeping Beauty main events. True. I just love whenever we go back to flashbacks and Lana Perea is playing young Regina. I just love her ability to change even her voice, like even just the octave that she speaks at to make herself sound younger. She does that every time. It's so easy for us to pick up kind of what age she is and what's happening with her voice. So Hmm. I know that that's not necessarily a skill that all actors have. She's probably one of the only ones on the show that does that. And I always enjoy just like, oh, okay, we're back to young now. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, she does do a great job at that. And she's also pretty good at making friends. 
like when she met Maleficent. <laughs> it surprised me, and not only me, but many other people, that Maleficent is basically a druggie. And what's <laughs> yeah, it's sleeping curse. As if that's not enough, the toadstool hmm. and seawater. Sea water. Hmm. Toadstool might be uh, enchanted forest speak for something else. <laughs> well, a lot of people in the forums are a little bit disturbed by this because this is supposed to be a family show, and here they have basically drug use going on. Yeah, I mean, at the same time. That's not exactly how I took it, because she seemed slightly more inebriated than high to me. But I'm no expert. Yeah, I didn't take it as that either the first time. I even said when she said takes the edge off, I was like, what consequences are you taking off there with that by diluting it? It made me think of the burning red room and like maybe she doesn't have to go there because she diluted the curse. Uh, One would think. (laughs) I think, though, by this flashback that we can we can be pretty clear on the timeline by Maleficent's crimped hair that this flashback took place in the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) This is why you have a girl on your podcast, right? Exactly. Yeah. We want to know what hairstyle is that? Briar Rose was mentioned throughout this episode, and Briar Rose is actually one of the names of the original Sleeping Beauty. It was... Oh, really? Yeah. Both Briar Rose and Aurora were names for the original Sleeping Beauty, depending on which stories that you actually look at as the original texts. Mm, Here we've been so Disney-fied lately, I forgot (laughs) to even think about original stories. Well, and in the Disney animated... Uh, Sleeping Beauty, Briar Rose is what they call her when they are undercover. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Or just Rose for short. But (laughs) here, Briar Rose is the mother and Aurora is the daughter. It's kind of crazy that in this episode, it seems so opposite of what happened in the second episode of Once Upon a Time, The Thing You Love Most, when Regina went to visit Maleficent to steal the dark curse and they had this little banter back and forth regina basically was surprised that that sleeping curse could be broken by just a simple kiss do you think in that episode they were actually drinking a concoction that involved sleeping (laughs) curse (laughs) maybe they were and in this episode maleficent actually said that this sleeping curse was broken by true love's kiss So Regina should have known that when she got the sleeping curse from Maleficent. This is a continuity error, basically. There's no way to explain this that matches with the story. It's a continuity error. Yeah, that kind of stuff happens. But didn't Regina, this is going back a long time. I haven't watched season one for a while, but didn't Regina have a plan to keep Charming from Snow at that time too? Like she was holding Charming hostage? Well, Charming was held hostage until... Snow would agree to take the apple. Okay. And that brings up another continuity problem we'll get into later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. From that random guy in the carriage that Regina met along the road, we got (laughs) a nice little hint of locations here that Maleficent's kingdom is two kingdoms away from King Leopold's kingdom, which is part of the Enchanted Forest. We almost have enough information to make a board game. (laughs) (laughs) 
It'll be like settlers of enchanted forest. Whose kingdom's in the middle? Do we know? That would be, yeah, that is King Stefan's kingdom. King Stefan, okay. Because that carriage actually had the crest of King Stefan, but that wasn't the king there, or he might've been some kind of noble or someone that was part of the royal family or, you know, the part of the castle in some way, because it was bearing that logo, but he didn't have any kind of escort. So he's not someone of mm-hmm. high nobility. Right. So good on Regina for not accepting a ride from a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus she was rather angry on Maleficent's behalf and had to go back, uh, which, you know, you spoke about how she changes her voice. And part of what I thought was interesting, both in Lana Perea's performance and the writing was how Regina sort of oscillates between this sort of forceful person, this confident person telling Maleficent what she needs to do. And then when she's challenged, she kind of backs off and gets timid again And it's just sort of a nice bridge between the girl that she used to be and the evil queen that she became. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Plus, somehow, (laughs) random dude gave her the wedding invitation, which was made of silver. I think that silver wedding invitations are a great idea, and they should actually be done. (laughs) I like it. Mm -hmm. It's expensive. Yeah. (laughs) They should be gold. They should be. But not the kind that you touch and then you turn into it. Yeah, that's what Midas sent out yeah. for his... <laughs> his kingdom must be on the other side of the map. <laughs> so they go to reignite the fire inside you, reignite the dragon inside you. And Sounds like a Snickers commercial. <laughs> it It's kind of odd that when Maleficent attacked this village that used to be here, that she poured herself out so much that she lost her ability after that. But she left a burning bush there? Well, you know, it's like residual magic. Well, because magic can never, what's the quote from earlier? And Magic can never dissipate. It can only change in form. Yeah, it can never be destroyed. It can only change forms. Yeah, that's true. So basically, here's what's happening in Maleficent's head. (laughs) (laughs) Regina tells her about this tree and outwardly she's like, so there's a tree that's still burning. So what? And inside she's like, Oh, wow, I dropped my magic, and I never thought to look there. That's where it is. She was just embarrassed. She didn't want to say. She probably just never looked out the window. I mean, you saw how <laughs> depressed and you know disoriented she seemed. She probably never even opened the windows. Like, it's always the last place you look. Maybe she thought that her magic had disappeared into the burning red room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So many things in this episode remind me of that, and I know how much Jeremy hates talking about it, so I just have to keep bringing it up. If she was going to the Burning Red Room, I predict that maybe she was having a disco there. It sounds like something like teenagers would do. <laughs> like, hey, let's have a near-death experience. Hey, let's all prick ourselves with the sleeping curse, and we can go to the Burning Red Room whenever we want. Hey, let's go light a police car on fire. Hey, let's... <laughs> Here, aspirin. This helps in the morning. <laughs> She's a bad influence on every living thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. She. Uh, one of our pieces of feedback, I think it was Fee, actually called Maleficent emo Maleficent, and she emo is Maleficent. basically. Yeah. In this whole episode, she's kind of all emo, like hmm. sort of. We do get to meet King Stefan here, and his name, by the way, is from both the Disney cartoon version 
of Sleeping Beauty, as well as the new Disney Maleficent movie with Angelina Jolie. King Stefan, though, is nowhere in the original stories or fairy tales, at least by that name. Yes, there is a king. Regardless of where you emphasize your yeah. syllables in the name. <laughs> right. Stefan, Stefan. But by the way, a little interesting side note here. As a kid, I was writing a science fiction action novel. I'd written several chapters of this, and the villain of this novel was going to be named Alexander James Stefan. The square jawed. Yeah, but I spelled it differently. But I never got to that part in the book where I actually wrote him in. He was just part of my plans because I just thought it was a really cool name, Alexander James Stefan. It sounds like a bad guy. Three first names. Yeah. Just like Michael Ooh. Raymond James. Ooh. There's a connection there. Or Daniel J. Lewis. Nope. Except the J actually stands for something. Which is also a first name. Yes, it is. Or middle name. So this place, this desolate place, was this not the same location as dried up Lake Nostos? Yes. That's what I was thinking. If I just looked at the ground, which is probably not really, they really want you to focus. I felt <laughs> that previously we might have seen battles with Korra and Hook and Emma and Snow in that location. Not that it really was in the story. I just think that it's sort of this right. strange place they've found. that It couldn't be in the story because this is before David went to Lake Nostos. Yeah. yeah. So Lake Nostos I didn't think dried it was actually up. supposed to be. It was just funny. Yeah. It dried up probably sometime during the curse. Maybe even dried up because of the curse. The original Dark Curse. But yeah, they reuse props. They reuse scenes and sets and such. Yeah. Well, and part of the reason why they film in BC is for the Enchanted Forest. So then to have to find a desolate place in the same place that they're <laughs> they're filming purposefully because there's a forest might be a little complicated to find exactly what you need without having to reuse locations. Right. If you don't actually have a dragon to clear some land, it's kind of difficult. <laughs> they tend to frown upon that in Canada, too. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with them. But. <laughs> the dragons aren't allowed in Canada? No. Hmm. Did it strike either of you as funny that Regina was able to do a great fireball attack at first? And then after that really successful confidence building burst of flame, then she got scared and fizzled out. She got distracted, I think. Hmm. Yeah. It's tied to your emotions. She probably was like, whoa, that was awesome. And then hope I can do it again. Oh, I can't do it again. And then again. failed. Speaking of failed, what was it that... That's not a segue. Thank you for not segueing into thanking sponsors. I think everyone now thinks that whenever I say speaking of, they're expecting me to segue to thanking our sponsors. No, I'll do that. Speaking of our sponsor, no. Um, what was it, do you think, that was uh, the background to Keen Stefan saying something about failing with Briar Rose? Well, she woke up, so I consider that a yeah. failure. There was some comment made. I don't know why I think this. I can't remember the context, but for some reason, I know that Aurora's mom was in the Sleeping Curse too. Right. Yeah, they um, they explained that when Aurora was first introduced back in season two, the part that I guess we'll speak of. Yeah, and also in this episode, Maleficent did say, and that was part of the thing that was about the Sleeping Curse when Maleficent and Regina met. Maleficent did say that she used a Sleeping Curse on Briar Rose, and it was broken with a true love's kiss. Maybe I'm going to read the original Sleeping Beauty. 
it's just that that family tends to speak about it in slightly grandiose terms. So you have Stefan saying you failed, and which I suppose is somewhat appropriate. But you have Aurora saying my mother defeated you by you know being helpless and being kissed <laughs> and waking up that she defeated you because she had true love. Defeated was kind of the wrong word. Okay. The one scene really reminded me of the book, The Paper Bag Princess. Do you know that book, guys? (laughs) No. So (laughs) I think it's because it's a Canadian, but there's an author named Robert Munch, and he does all of these amazing books. And The Paper Bag Princess is basically the princess is going to try and save the prince. I'm going to spoil the book for everybody. Oh, gosh. She basically outsmarts the dragon by making the dragon use up all of its power and energy until it falls asleep. And then she just walks over the dragon and goes and opens the dungeon and lets her prince out. So she's like, oh, can you fly around the world in just 10 seconds? And then the dragon does it. And then it's too tired to do it again. And can you burn up 100 forests with just one breath? And then the dragon does it. And then over and over again. And then the dragon can't do it anymore. So maybe the desolate land where Maleficent lost her power has something to do with Briar Rose. What a terrible princess. She had a hundred forests burned up just to save one person. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's okay. And then my favorite part of the book is that at the end, she saves the prince and he goes, because she's only wearing a paper bag, right? Because all the clothes got burnt up. Oh, awkward. And he goes, you don't look like a real princess. Come back when you're dressed like a real princess. And then she left him. Because he was a bum. So Wow. Hmm. After all that. All those forests. Yep. Or Aurora is preparing for her wedding. In our initial reactions, I did say something about thinking that Aurora let herself be pricked or like pricked herself to avoid Prince Philip. But I think Jeremy, you did rightly point out that when Maleficent referred to having some special curse for Prince Philip, mm-hmm. it was the Yagwai curse. Yep. And now rewatching this, I can see clearly, yes, Maleficent did intentionally prick Aurora with that needle. She did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Well, I may have to take some things back then. (laughs) It was the same needle that Maleficent was using on herself to take the edge off. I see. Well, that's just not fun. Which, by the way... I kind of kept having the impression of that scene that she was taking her blood and putting it in a drink. So maybe there are some connotations there that uh, weren't so amazing. In this case, I could have sworn both times I watched it that she waved her hand and Aurora fell asleep. Oh, no. I was all set to say, why didn't the sleeping curse require a prick this time? Blah, 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 blah. And okay, apparently it did. But she just used some sleight of hand or something on me. I don't know. Let's talk about this because there are some, okay, some minor continuity errors here is this is Aurora in a completely different palace, presumably, from where we saw her in the episode Broken. Yeah, Yeah. they could have moved her. Yeah, okay. And also changed her and dyed her hair. Yes, she's wearing something completely different. I mean, would you not? (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe it's too sad to see her in her was she in a glass thing no no yeah. she was she was just out in the open yeah exposed to the elements which yeah makes... but protected by thorns okay cool uh, <laughs> but but regardless of how you decide to display the poor helpless sleeping person because somehow that honors them you might be too sad to see her in her wedding dress every day 
Was that her wedding dress? No, her wedding dress was actually hanging up. Well, that girl needed to get a mirror. move on. So she, she was going to be late. Yeah, because that dress was blue. <laughs> okay, well then, who knows? It would have been funny discontinuity if Aurora was in a dress just like that, but pink when she was woken up because of the whole pink, blue, make it pink, make it blue from the animated cartoon. But it was purple and a totally different dress. And her hair was a different color, in my humble opinion. Yeah, And wearing different jewelry, too. Yeah. Like all kinds of things that were different about this. And several of our listeners did point this out, like Jessica Olson and Keb pointed this out. But there are some other continuity problems here. And this is storyline continuity, not mm. just prop continuity. Well, just just to sidestep on the even the costume continuity, they've done what I would consider to be slightly contrived connecting the dots. But at least they tried before. For example, there was this whole backstory leading up to Charming going to wake Snow up. But he was wearing different clothes up until that point. So then they threw in a little bit about Rumple just changing his entire wardrobe before he rides off to rescue Snow to make him look like a prince. Yeah. But at least yeah. that connects the dots, even if it's a little bit silly. They, I, yeah, I don't know why they would not try here unless there's something we're missing. Well, here's what Jessica Olson said. I know she could have been dressed up after Maleficent put her to sleep, but there are other things that seem like there's something missing in that story still. For one, she told Philip previously in season two, I told you not to come after me, which implies she knew she was putting herself at risk and either talked with or sent a message to Philip before it happened, which it doesn't seem like that is what happened in this episode. Also, this didn't really strike me as the self-sacrifice she talked about in season two as well. Mm. Here, and this is my speaking here, uh, thank you, Jessica, for that feedback. Here, this is Maleficent pricking Aurora with Aurora having no say in the matter whatsoever. Right. Here's the other continuity, or Keb Mm. pointed this out. What they've said before about the sleeping curse is that it has to be taken willingly. And remember Aurora's whole thing about sacrifice as well. I forgot about so that. So maybe before she did have to take it willingly. Remember, the evil queen had to get Snow to eat the apple willingly. Oh, yeah. And Prince Charming, when he went under the sleeping curse, they had to have him prick the spindle willingly. Which I'm not entirely sure why they have chosen to make that a condition, apparently, if it's going to be so hard to meet. Because we've seen other... Is that an original, let's say, Snow White component because in disney's version she was i mean she ate the apple on purpose but she was sort of she wasn't aware of what was going to happen i think uh, i can't remember quite the disney version here but i think it was something kind of like that where snow had to accept it like it couldn't just be cast on her right i think yeah but i might be getting that wrong or they might have not mentioned it at all so yeah, some continuity problems. That's going to happen sometimes four nope. seasons in. <laughs> nope. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Do one, better, we know you can. One crazy <laughs> thing, though, as we're talking about the sleeping curse and the red apples, there was a tray in Aurora's room full of red apples. <laughs> apples red as blood, even. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, the apple curse hasn't happened yet, right? So Aurora doesn't right. know. Yeah, just a nice little irony thing. There is irony. Everywhere. So Aurora is 
really even older than Snow, but because she was in the sleeping curse for so long. Technically, well, she's probably only a few years older. Right. Because the way that the original Sleeping Beauty, well, the story that Disney told anyway, is that when Aurora turns 16. But in this, Aurora is about to get married. So she's probably at least 18. Maybe. And that's probably just a couple or a few years older than Snow is at this point. So I think right. they're they're pretty close in age. Even though they're like 10 or more years apart now in age. If she stayed that age and Snow continued to age for the rest of the Enchanted Forest story. Right. Yeah. So technically Aurora is now psychologically younger or like brain time <laughs> passing younger. Yeah. Because she spent a lot of time unconscious. Which is so obvious yeah. most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised because I'm, I'm pretty sure the actress who played Aurora was like 19 when she started on this show and Snow was like 30 something. Yeah. Sarah so. Bolger is the one that plays yeah. Aurora. Back at the barn again, I enjoyed just seeing Rumpel like hanging out on the, the gate and just being pushed mm-hmm. and swung there. <laughs> yeah, I liked a lot of things about their conversation. Uh, Regina realizing albeit her motives not being great uh, but she realizes that she's had a good teacher when she realizes that she was actually able to go out and coach somebody as powerful as Maleficent I also liked even though they've kind of made this connection before but you have two stories that are fairly prominent in the show and they both involve sleeping curses and I like that there's actually a connection instead of Mm -hmm. just being a coincidental thing that Snow White was put to sleep because of influence from Maleficent, who had done it so famously. Right. It took me two watches, and I hope that I'm assuming this right now, to realize, because I was like, I thought Regina liked the horses. And then I realized she's she's doing that to Snow White's horse. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I was, and then it wasn't until literally just now I was reading my, I thought Regina liked her horses note, and then I'm like, oh, because it was Snow's horse who was like <laughs> winning all the prizes and right. <laughs> making her so famous. Thus ended Snow White's career as a valued horsewoman. <laughs> I don't know why it won't wake up. This doesn't make any sense. Hey, but speaking of valued prizes and people, I want to thank some people who made this episode of the podcast possible. Thank you very much. You are valued and prized to us. David Newland, Steve Johnson, and Lisa Slack, thank you very much for your continued automatic monthly donations. And we have two new contributors on Patreon, Tracy Anderson and Vicente Rios. Thank you very much for your kind contributions. And here's something really cool. I'm really excited to share this with you. On Patreon, the way it works is currently, at least, we have it set up where you contribute on a per episode basis. And we have different milestones of goals that we were trying to reach. And we've been able to upgrade features in the chat room in different places, thanks to your contributions. And we just reached one of those milestones. And that is that soon, as these donations are actually sent to us through the Patreon system, soon we'll be able to upgrade our viewing experience so that when we're watching the show live on Sunday nights, we'll be able to see more of the details of the show and sometimes get a signal 
which there have been several times before where we've lost <laughs> signal while watching the show because we do it through an antenna and we've just had to ask the chat room um what just happened there because <laughs> we completely lost the signal so thank you very much for your kind contributions through patreon through all of the options that we have at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor this will enable us to bring better content to you so thank you Thank you very much for being like co-producers with us and really making this podcast possible. One of the other things too, thanks to your donations, is I was able to spend some time with the website in the last couple of days and I think I fixed the problem that <laughs> the website kept crashing, especially on Sunday nights. If you tried to access the website on a Sunday night, I am so sorry. It kept crashing mm-hmm. over and over. And even during our podcast recordings, I had to have this little thing open on my computer that I would see the moment it would crash and I would reboot the server. It'd crash, I'd reboot it. I'd have to do that a lot during the recording. So <laughs> thank you very much for your kind donations. It's enabled us to fix some of these problems, upgrade things, make this all a better experience for you and bring more content to you. So thank you. Thank you for this episode. Thank you, David, Steve, Lisa, Tracy, and Vicente. Thank you very much. If you'd like to be a contributor to Once Podcast, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor to make a one-time donation, automatic monthly donation, which is what helps us the most, or a per-episode donation through Patreon, as well as there are options there if you want to do your shopping on Amazon. Just click on our link first, and then that helps us as well, and it doesn't cost you anything. Thank you for your support. That's at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. So now let's move on to talking about the present day. And it starts out with this nice little meeting at granny's as regina comes and apparently the way that she's a bad girl isn't hey let's go hurt some people but hey let's drink everything in granny's shop yeah so i didn't watch the show desperate housewives (laughs) however (laughs) as regina approached the diner that is what i thought of (laughs) she does kind of dress i think like some of the people on that show I didn't watch it either. But. Group of women and and stuff happening. I don't know. They seem pretty desperate. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, not very inconspicuous to have your meeting at Granny's, but I didn't realize until the comment later in the episode that Granny's was actually closed. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, at first he walks in and they're like, "What are you doing here?" Well, it's a public place, but yeah, it was closed. <laughs> One of the odd things I noticed here is. Maleficent teleported to in front of Regina. That was pretty scary. And she did it Rumpelstiltskin style. Mm -hmm. And it was the last scary thing that happened in their whole proving of Regina's evilness. There was no poof. No poof. No clouds. It wasn't quite exactly Rumpel style. Like if you want to get into the technical details, Rumpel style is a very fast, short transition from one place to the other. It was kind of a froosh and not a... A swipe. Yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that. It was a little bit different, but it was very Rumpel style. Definitely no smoke. I think it was half a second slower than Rumpel, but it was very fast. <laughs> so just interesting that she can do that. Maybe, though, that's because technically Maleficent is supposed to be a fairy. So she is. maybe she is magic born, kind of like Rumpel is. Now, I mean, being the dark one, we can basically consider him magic born. His magic is inherited, not learned. Most of it. Whereas Regina and Cora have learned their magic. So maybe the smoke poofing method is 
what you learn. And maybe we are going to get a bigger Maleficent story at some point. Maybe just one episode long. But there's a lot that could still be explained about the Once Upon a Time Maleficent. Like her history, why she would possibly be so difficult to kill all the way that she can be resurrected that's still a big one they really need to give a good explanation for because they've broken a pretty big rule with this one yeah Mm -hmm. so you know if they have a good enough story i'm cool with it but part of showing that nature could come through the story with briar rose somehow there are a lot of cool things they could do it doesn't mean they will but the possibilities there i feel like they're kind of doing what they did to us with the frozen where we thought that elsa was going to be the main villain and it ended up that the Snow Queen was actually the villain and Elsa, it was just portrayed that way through all of the like previews and spoilers and whatever, like, oh, it's going to be these three, Cruella, hmm. Ursula, Maleficent. But the last two episodes now, it seems like they could switch back and they could do like a Cruella and a Ursula backstory again. But it seems like now they're just sort of supporting villains and may not actually have as active a role as we thought they were. Hmm. We might just wonder, like like Greg and Tamara. Right. <laughs> Could be, but these are characters they've brought in to basically be season regulars. I mean, yeah, they did that with Elsa, too. And I mean, like, half-season regular, yeah. regulars. When Emma's talking to Charming about Regina's plan, I noticed her voice changes a lot, too. Except, unlike Regina, it's just kind of Emma, it, she does it all the time, and it's kind of just her temper tantrum voice. <laughs> but it definitely gets an octave higher, and it's very like, well, you should have told me, Mom and Dad. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> she was doing that a lot this episode. <laughs> I, I love when Emma has temper tantrums because she does them very well, but <laughs> she maybe needs to grow out of that sometime soon. <laughs> right, which again, as much as I liked some of the stuff when Hook was lying to her, why wasn't she throwing temper tantrums then? That was yeah. some sudden maturity. I think her her senses are all going haywire. And she said that, and I think it's affecting True. her in multiple ways. And this is maybe one of those ways, in addition to her stupidity, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a moment. Speaking of stupidity, <laughs> what in the heck, Cruella? Why? I don't understand this game. <laughs> Cruella, your game does not make any sense. Don't be a hero, uh, doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think everyone watching <laughs> this, like everyone, especially our listeners, because we have really smart listeners. You are really smart. So I think everyone was probably thinking the same thing, and that is Regina should have proofed herself out because that would have shown, no, I'm not going to save you guys. I'm going to save myself. Yeah. It almost would have made more sense. I'm going to go ahead and suggest a rewrite, even though it's been produced and everything. (laughs) If they had just parked there and said, we're going to go ahead and play a little game of chicken. Like, just call it chicken because it's chicken. So then, then, you know, it's like last one to poof loses or something like that, which would have sounded really childish. But hey, they've already been doing shots and then apparently driving. So, (laughs) you know, childish. But then... If Regina poofed all of them, then it's sort of like, oh, look, you've gone soft. That was a test. You failed. That would have almost worked. It would have made a little more sense than, nope, the only way to win is to let everybody die, including yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And Matthew Paul pointed that out, too, saying, how does saving themselves from an incoming train prove Regina's a bad girl? 
That didn't prove her innocence. It proved her (laughs) self-preservation, which is something both heroes and villains would do. Right. So I guess if she'd passed the test, the other three would be dead. Uh, Well, yeah, that's what Fee basically said. (laughs) And in addition, Fee said, what would have made sense is if they'd confined Regina to the train tracks and made her destroy the train and everyone on it in order to save herself, thus proving she's still willing to make others suffer so she can win. That's definitely what I thought was going to happen. I thought they were going to say, you want to live? Derail the train. Yeah. Just do it. I think they're trying to keep her integrity. And so they're thinking of things that will still allow us to think that she's still good. Yeah. And that is the thing. I I watched this, I think the second or third time when I watched this episode, I did try to look at it from the perspective of is Regina going bad? Is she enjoying this? And I could see throughout the episode, no, she's not enjoying this whole bad girl thing. And she has moral problems with a lot of these things she's doing. But mm-hmm. it's like a double agent. There are times uh, that you you have to make decisions that would normally go against your moral code mm-hmm. in order to maintain the cover. Especially if you've ever played the game Splinter Cell Double Agent. I hated shooting the boss <laughs> at the end. But it was okay. He was going to be okay. Are you spoiling oh, sorry. games that I haven't played, even though they've been <laughs> oh, around for like 15 years? The Paperbag Princess is done now. That game is out. <laughs> They're actually the same story. But, oh. now, but now Regina's in that same situation. She's having to do these things. And I will say she's doing these things as honorably as she can, but while still trying to maintain her cover. That would have been another way to make the test make sense. Derail the train or save us. But one of those is clearly the soft option. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. Oh, Regina. When Henry was looking very closely at the book, I really wanted to see that there was some kind of clue or something. And we will have screenshots of what he saw through the magnifying glass. But I wouldn't say there are any extra clues other than what we pretty much already uncovered, that the door is from the hat room. But I like what Fee pointed out, saying, has no one thought to just flip the page over and see what's on the back of the picture of the door? The door picture was used to illustrate a story. There should be more of that story on the other side of the page, or even flip through the book to figure (laughs) out where the page is missing from and look for clues in the surrounding pages. I think, yes, that's that's a great idea. Surrounding pages do not go with the pictures in the book. Exactly. Actually. Most of the time, and I've been very disappointed with this, most of the time (laughs) when I have obsessed over screenshots of the book, the story that we see is most of the time either the golden bird or uh, red riding hood and snow white or red, i forget the actual name of it but it's not little red riding hood story it's rose a different red. yes that's it yeah, rose, rose red, red and red. snow so yeah do you, did that frustrate anybody else as a child when you'd be reading a book and there were illustrations but they were not near the part of the text that they were illustrating yeah. yeah. That always frustrated me. Yeah, so I I'm think... not so sure just turning the page. Although sometimes they have done it that way in this book where the story on the other side is it. Like the pictures with Pinocchio, but yes, August added that. <laughs> uh, there have been other stories that the pages with the text did match the photo that was right next to them. 
I think in real life that happens when you reprint a book and it already has original pictures, but then the words are in different order. Yeah. Or when you translate a book, so maybe the book has been translated and reprinted. Also, I think the back of this page is blank. I think so, so there goes the whole story idea. Well, we should find the author and ask him why he did the book this way. And ask him to write our happy endings. Maybe that was the last page of the book. Hmm. That, that makes me think of what could that mean for the end of the entire series? What could be the end game of that? I think they will get to that door. They will go through it expecting the author and the whole series will reset from the moment Rumpel's something happened with well, the curse. <laughs> I think they're going to bring a moral about this because come back to what is the whole premise of Once Upon a Time and the stories they've chosen in all of this. Kitsis and Horowitz have said it's all about hope. And you hear that throughout the specials on the Blu-rays and DVDs. They talk about hope and that's what they're trying to do is tell a story about hope. And consider this, what greater hope can you give someone than to realize your destiny is in your control? I think that's what they're going to discover ultimately, at least for this season, is that your destiny is totally up to you, your control, your responsibility. If you're a villain, you probably won't get a happy ending because of your choices. If you are a hero, then you'll get a happy ending because of your choices, but it's all related to your choices. And I think that's what we'll discover in this season, because I really think with as much as they're talking about the author now, we are going to meet the author in this season. Maybe. Unless the <laughs> author is in some way the villain for next season, or like the main character that will be brought in for next season, and then next season is all about stories being rewritten or something weird like that. But isn't if, if the point is hope and that you're in control of your own story, isn't there no author then? You're the author? Right. And that could be the thing that comes to the end is the author says something like, I was just recording your choices. Right. You're the one who wrote your own stories. Right. And as far as uh, like you said, then maybe next season we'll be retelling or rewriting. Is that what you said? Could be. I, I, have, I have no idea. It's yeah. too early, I think, to guess. Yeah, I, I've always imagined or thought that it could be possible. And I think I've said this before, that the end of this whole series, but this was before we knew the whole Balefire story. But I've always said that the end of this series will be that the Dark Curse doesn't happen and Snow and Charming get to raise Emma hmm. as from a baby. That it resets to that moment and that they get to live happily ever after as they should have before the curse but then now we have all of the backstory with I, i'm not saying i want that to happen i'm just saying i could totally imagine that happening yeah i think that would undermine the overall message of the show though that none of this can be part of a happy ending even though this is basically real life yeah yeah and i agree i've ranted about that too that you can have terrible things happen and still have a happy ending yeah so. yeah when emma met hook there at granny's diner knowing now what we know about this episode i really tried to rewatch this episode trying to figure out at which point is hook actually rumpelstiltskin and we know i think for sure when hook went to see bell there in the granny's diner 
he's definitely Rumpelstiltskin then. Right. But what about here when he sees Emma? At the end, I had decided that he must have been Rumpel the whole time. But I think not in this scene because otherwise she told him everything about Regina and not that I'm, I'm not sure he cares. I think he just suspects everyone of being up to something all the time and just treats <laughs> them accordingly. But he never did tell the other women that Regina was just a double agent. So whether he didn't want them to know or he didn't know. He hasn't told them yet. Maybe that's his leverage. He's good at keeping True. secrets. This is Rumple yeah. we're talking mm-hmm. about. I figured Hook was only Rumple. Rumple was only Hook when he was with Belle. That was what my assumption was. I never thought of the other being an option. I think back to the other times that they've shown us a character pretending to be another character. And in nearly every case, unless it was a single moment like Cora pretending to be Regina when she took Dr. Archie Hopper from his office. All of the other times I think that we've seen someone shapeshift to disguise themselves as someone else, it ended up being that way for the entire episode. Zelina as Ariel, Cora as Lancelot. Yeah. But so then where's Hook? Hook could be tied up somewhere. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> so I'm thinking because of that kind of precedent that they've set that probably this whole episode, whenever we see Hook, it's Rumple. So that means that when the softball team and their mascot went to talk to Regina <laughs> in the library, that that wasn't actually Hook, that that was Rumple. Maybe. If this entire episode we see, quote, Hook, unquote, it was actually Rumple. Uh, maybe. I felt that the when he went to the diner was the first time it was Rumple, but maybe not. When he went to the diner to see Will and Belle? Yes. You're saying, okay. I don't know. It does make sense, though, because if he's, if Rumple is dressed as Hook and he's just like strutting into the diner in the middle of the day, you don't know what, like, unless he knows that the real Hook is not going to be in there, that's kind of a brave move. Right. Yeah. So he probably does have Hook somewhere else. Oh, poor Hook again. Yeah. <laughs> With discovering the toasted sheriff's cart. It makes me wonder, did Maleficent just light it on fire or did Maleficent go all dragon and light it on fire with her dragon breath? Well, and why was it out by the lake? I mean, maybe she picked it up and carried it there. Yeah. (laughs) Because I feel like that would be a lot more fun. Regina's like, okay, guys, I hotwired the cruiser. Maleficent, burn it. Just burn it. (laughs) And yeah, it would be way cooler if she's like, here, you guys get in the car. I'm going to take it somewhere Then you get out of the car and then I'm going to burn it. Let's have a good time and go light a sheriff's car on fire. (laughs) I'm glad that was Regina's idea of how to be a good villain. Some real trouble. I do feel like Regina should maybe stick with Emma as a drinking buddy. (laughs) Back at the cabin, when the witches are talking to Rumpel, he mentions that war is about to start in Storybrooke. And my impression of... Rumpel at this point is that he's not even interested anymore in getting Belle back, even though like later in this episode, he asks her and discovers like what her thoughts are. I'm thinking he's at this point where he just wants to watch the world burn and get a new different kind of happy ending. Maybe. Um, But, you know, villains tend to think they can have everything, especially him. He thinks he can do terrible things and he'll have some way to get the people he cares about out. And they will, for some reason, want to be with him. (laughs) 
Maybe he's just going to take her heart. And then I guess he that's like a win win for him, just not for her. Because he can make her love him if, well, no, he can't. He can make her act like she loves him. But I would think he would know how much he doesn't want to actually do that. Yeah. Uh, again, Rumpel's comment that when war hits Storybrooke, everyone's going to have to pick a side. This It made me think of his crazy Rumpelstiltskin comment in the pilot where he says the final battle will begin. And I know I keep bringing that up, but it's because like I like shows to stick to their pilot. Mm. And uh, he said that. And could this be the final battle that he's talking about where everybody has to pick a side? It could very easily be because consider this. He never saw this. In in the episode Manhattan, where Rumpel gets his future scene power from the seer, and we learn more about that power, we learn that his abilities aren't quite clear. It, the future is a little foggy, and it's open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the pilot when he's... And this is my justifying the writers doing this, really. But maybe <laughs> in the pilot, when he said the final battle will begin, he sees that... Emma comes to town, breaks the curse, and Rumple and Regina are fighting on the same side. Emma is on the other side. Maybe he saw just those kinds of glimpses, and we heard them mash together to say, and the final battle will begin. Nope. There were lots of battles so far. Yeah. There, first of all, I'm not sure that he ever saw anything this far out. And second, he seems to be given to somewhat grandiose delusions himself the first whatever he called it punch which that's not really a war thing most of the time but the first shot whatever he called it taking pinocchio doesn't really count as starting a war maybe not sure and uh really like i said before when we talked about this snow also said in the pilot that Regina's motivation was her beauty. And we know that is so not true. So they can't really stick to the pilot too well. (laughs) Words were spoken that should not have been spoken. Yeah. This is the first time, though, that Rumpel has said anything kind of comparable, anything as intense as the final battle. Like, it's the first time he's used the word war and everyone has to pick a side. Right. It's true. Yeah. And I yeah. think just from what we've seen of the supporting characters that are in Storybrooke, that might not be a bad thing. Like, they seem to be very apathetic. They don't seem to really be on Snow and Charming's side. They seem to be on the side of, I'm running my diner here, and I don't really want to, like, deal with the villains anymore. They don't seem to be interested in actually getting their happy ending right now. Right. And if presented with that option of getting their happy endings... That make, might make them choose sides then and might make them choose the side of working with Rumpel. And then we do actually get a war in Storybook, which would be cool to see a war in some ways. I yeah. am not holding my breath. That's good. Uh, you know, there were there were words spoken about Shattered Sight that were quite impressive. There were words spoken about Rumpel being out of Storybrooke that were quite impressive. And these things tend to not come to pass. So I'm just not going to get my hopes up. (laughs) I'm sure a couple people will get knocked down. Someone may end up with a black eye. 
or at least a punch that should result in a black eye, but does not. And, you know, stuff will happen behind the scenes. It's mostly going to be a Cold War, I think. But do you guys think if Rumpel knew, so if he back in the past, he foresaw Emma as the savior, right? Well, he foresaw the savior. He then learned her name was Emma. If he, and that's in the same episode where he referenced this final battle. And now we know that he knows that Emma's heart has potential for darkness. Could that all be like connected? Because if Emma's heart has potential for darkness, that would be why he's trying to, to turn her to be on his side of the war. Yeah. Although he isn't yet trying to turn her unless he's doing it by manipulating the scenes. Like, Oh, I could see him doing that with hook. This might not be the only time we'll see Rumple impersonate Hook. He might do it again in order to turn Emma to the dark side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> well, as they are meeting in the library and yeah, bringing the whole committee together in order to hear from Regina, they're they're all just... They're like such amateurs at this, even though Emma was a bail bonds woman. She's still being very amateur about this. It's very similar to like if this were a romantic comedy and Regina were going on a date, it'd be like her whole family following her around <laughs> to see how it's going and give her advice. That's it, it had that sort yeah. of feel to it. <laughs> Like the whole family, even though they're not really her family, they are kind of Regina's family now. She's the stepmom. But they're all just following her around. We just wanted to make sure you're not hungry. <laughs> yeah. It's cute, though. I think it's it's nice to show that they're actually protective of Regina. Or that Emma is, at least. Yeah. It was funny to hear Regina say, they feel the only way to get their happy ending is to destroy yours and not mention i know where they get that (laughs) (laughs) i can i i could sympathize in the past by the way so maleficent and regina meet up to kidnap pinocchio yeah yeah, and thanks for saying kidnap as opposed to puppet nap (laughs) well maleficent said steal oh yeah they kept stealing something. Steal that. Boy. Well, it's called kidnapping in this world. So I yeah, don't know what they call it. Because he's a real boy now, not. <laughs> right. Pe- but she did keep referring to him as a piece of wood, though, too. <laughs> a naughty little piece of pine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Emma's trailing them in Sword and Afford because, you know, maybe that's not as obvious as the little bug that might be destroyed now. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's destroyed, but. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's in got for a repairs. hole in the windshield now. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. But it's not obvious at all to have a giant truck following you. Hashtag fix the bug. (laughs) (laughs) So Emma is following her this whole time and really being stupid about this. We have to stop and give them praise for that little bit of continuity. I know it's just within the last few episodes, but she shouldn't be driving her car right now and she's not. That's good. Good job. (laughs) Sorry. I think she's being so stupid like this because her senses are going haywire. She said how she feels like everyone in town is lying her to her. Mm-hmm. Now add Regina to that mix as well. So or, she just sort of stumbles into scenes yeah. where she really shouldn't be and just goes, lying, bad, you you okay? I, I got your back. Yeah. And possibly even Hook and <laughs> maybe just not Henry. 
Yet, anyway. Yet, yeah. And not the pizza. <laughs> and Regina is also honoring Snow's request to keep the the secret from Emma. That's true. Because you could see Regina kind of had this knowing look when Emma was mentioning that her parents, <gasps> it seemed like her parents were lying to her and she was just, her superpower was going haywire. You guys, what if with the best of intentions, Regina tells Emma the secret, thinking it will fix things and it sends Emma over the edge somehow or contributes to her turning dark, at least for a while. If anything does push her over the edge, yeah. I think this will be that thing. I would be very disappointed if Regina does not reveal this secret to Emma. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very poetic. Yeah. yeah. Now, the hmm. first time that we watched this, I didn't notice that Regina did intentionally drop her phone. I knew she did once we yeah. saw it. But back with what you were saying about getting a better viewing experience so we can catch details, we could not read what was on the screen right. of the phone <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> on the first viewing. Yeah, we just saw, oh, that's Regina's phone. Okay. And it did say, if you didn't see I either, then the phone said, I got this. That's what yeah. Regina typed out, dropped her phone on the ground for mm -hmm. Emma. I did look at the map to see this. And there's something oh, really ironic here. Yes. It's crazy about the map mm -hmm. is to look at where Emma and Regina are at Marco's place is about a block away from where fake hook or rumple and bell are at about the same time mm -hmm. getting the dagger. Well, they should have gone for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> About the superpower thing, Jessica Olsen said, Regina and Emma seem to be friends now, so when Emma brought up her superpower going wacky and thinking her parents were keeping something from her, I kind of thought Regina might say something. The fact she chose to keep Snow's secret was understandable, too, since she is trying to keep her promise. I just thought it was an interesting dilemma for her to be in. Yeah. She also lied to Emma. Yeah. She said no one's lying to you, and she knows that that's not true. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. It's one thing to keep a secret. It's another thing to keep a secret by lying. I feel, and because she's friends, I feel like she could have kept the secret without lying and making Emma's senses go even more crazy because now another person's lying to her. In our forums, uh, Senders said, is kidnapping a child evil, even if it's being done for the greater good? Or is it a selfish act for Regina being done in part for her own greater good and happy ending? Why is it okay for Regina to take Geppetto's happiness, which is Pinocchio? I get it that the Charmings asked her to infiltrate the villains, but how much is too much? Where's the line between a noble act of infiltrating the villains and actually becoming one again? That's a tough line that I think Regina is going to struggle with, especially now that August is a man and Rumpel had just referred to torture working on August, but not on Pinocchio. So is, is Regina going to have to stand by, or worse, participate in some kind of torture on August? And would they even show that on a family show? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I understand the torture part. Yeah, and we'll get more to that in a moment, but uh, that would be to try and get the information out about the author. But meanwhile, while this is happening, the kidnapping... At the same time, Hook comes in, or now, actually, we know for sure, Rumpel comes in. And Rumpel knew about Hook's punching Will. Maybe that's because he saw it. 
maybe he learned that during the brief time that Rumple had Hook's heart. The punch happened during the time that Rumple had reattached Hook's hand right. and convinced him that it was making him evil. So there was some recounting, either Hook or either Rumple was watching Hook or Hook was telling to some degree what had happened. Yeah, that's true. Probably more like... Or he heard through the grapevine or whatever. Yeah. But he had reason to be actually paying attention to what Hook was doing at that time. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That cake looked so delicious. I know. It was little, <laughs> though. It was smaller than it looked when they first showed it. I was paying attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> Now we can have chocolate cake at the Once Upon a Time finale party, which, by the way, we are going to plan one as long as I stay in this state because we are going to move out of our state. But uh, there will be more details on that posted elsewhere, probably. But uh, we are planning to do a Once Upon a Time season finale party in the Cincinnati area. We'll have details on that as it gets closer, but it's looking like it will be in the middle of May. So plan for that if you can make it down to the Cincinnati area. It might be northern Kentucky, might be Cincinnati, Ohio, somewhere in that area. We'll have a blast, have a season finale party, and do some really fun things there and have great food, too. We got this feedback from Jessica Olson about Hook, Rumpel, and Bell. And Jessica said about Rumpel appearing as Hook, he really only did it to see Bell and get the dagger. So I don't think there would have been a point to him pretending with Emma and the Charmings. If he did then, he would know Regina was undercover. He might suspect something, but I don't think he was the version of Hook in on the conversation in the library. Yeah, I think that makes more sense that he did it for that single purpose instead of this entire episode. But it goes back to, I think, usually when they've had uh, shape-shifting going on, they maintain it to a single episode or a single character and it's the entire time that we see that character either across several episodes or every time in that single episode. Hmm. You think so? Cause I seem to remember a certain Regina murdering Dr. Hopper scene <laughs> mm -hmm. that that was the only moment in that episode. I think. Yeah. That we right. saw a fake Regina, but we did see the real Regina right. as and well. That was, like I mentioned earlier, a one-time incident that they made obvious fairly quickly that it was Cora, not Regina. Well, and Pongo, I mean, the author has been disguised as Pongo the entire <laughs> time. Good grief. If that is true, <laughs> that is not a spoiler. <laughs> Realizing who's in town, there are stranger things that could happen. I just thought of this. Why did Rumple pick Hook? Like... He Hook kidnapped and tried to kill Belt at least twice. And like if he had undercovered as David or something, like there's no reason for Belle to even trust Hook. She did, but how would he know that? That's very true. I mean, there's she was mad about it not all that long ago. Yeah. As she should have been. I was very happy when she finally brought it up. And <laughs> now they're like, she's okay ish with swearing things to each other with hands on chest which is very strange mm. <laughs> in and of itself but when you bring that up that context yeah i guess she, though like how many times did she stay with rumple when he wronged her that's true poor trusting soul there on the beach when bell summoned the dark one to come and face her it was just so creepy i think the way that hook turns and faces her 
Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even notice that the first time. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> it was like his head was being moved from outside of the body. And it's almost like he kind of glared at her with evil. His eyes might as well have just glown red. <laughs> I think that would have been a nice touch. A little shimmer of gold in his skin. Yeah. I did, on re-watching, think that his mannerisms were rather Rumpel-esque, hmm. which uh, was a good job done by Colin. However, right as Bell drives away and he's got the dagger... And he's about to poof. He grins in this sort of evil hook-like way. And when the poof is complete, there's Rumple, and he's not grinning. <laughs> and I can't see... I can see Rumpelstiltskin in Enchanted Forest kind of grinning that way, but not Mr. Gold. So, mm, I don't know. Just saying. Mm. By the way, here was a great thought in our chat room while we're doing this live. Sarah said maybe Belle told that, quote, Oxford professor, unquote, about her new BFF and how she and Hook were working together to translate something. Maybe she said, my friend Killian and I have been working together for a while to try and figure this out. Can you translate this for us? Hmm. Maybe not to say my friend Hook and I are trying to figure out how to free the fairies. But yeah, that could make sense some way that he got some of that information to know about them. Yeah, that's true. When they're back at Gold's shop, I think that Rumpel's having Belle swear an oath is a sign that we're not going to see Rumpel impersonate Hook again because he's basically setting up for I'm never going to be Rumpel again. Uh, at least I think so. Never going to be Rumpel or never yeah. going to be Hook. Well, and he said not to speak of it to each other either, right? Right, which is a perfect setup for we will never speak of this again. It's like Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> First rule of the pirate swear is you don't talk about it. It's the knife club. <laughs> Dagger. Yeah. Anyway. It had to rhyme with fight. I liked the red rose on the counter. Just made me think of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. A guest appearance from Gaston. I just didn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the rose thing is a little interesting to me. And the symbolism of it, that is. Because Belle said that Will makes her happy. She makes her smile. She didn't say anything about she has feelings for him or anything like that, but she did kiss the guy. Mm -hmm. And she is spending a lot of time with him and stuff and wanting to share her chocolate cake with him, which you <laughs> don't do with someone unless you care about them. Well, and the red rose. <laughs> is, am I the only one who does that? Uh, the red rose <laughs> is also a little symbolic. Now, keep in mind, Will gave it to her. Mm-hmm. There are actually symbolisms to different colors of roses. A pale blended tone is about sociability and friendship. Red and yellow roses as a blend are about uh, jovility, orange roses, enthusiasm, desire. Yellow is for joy, gladness. White is for reverence and humility. Light pink is admiration and sympathy. Deep pink is gratitude and appreciation. And red is love and respect. So just to be careful, give carnations instead. <laughs> you don't want to send mixed and, and just make them gray. Too, sure. <laughs> Too much meaning in roses, I say. It's scary. Not really. It hurt my heart a little bit for Belle, even though she's not really my favorite character on the show, when she said that Will was exactly who he says he is. And I'm like, oh, 
poor girl because she's just gotten out of a relationship with Rumpelstiltskin who just lied to her. And now I, I can't imagine that Will has like come clean about his Wonderland past that we don't even know if he remembers or not. So either he's not who he says he is intentionally because he doesn't want to bring up whatever happened, or he's not who he says he is because he doesn't know who he is. And therefore, she's still, if she does fall in love with him, going to get her heart broken. If Rumpel was smart, he would <laughs> impersonate Will instead. Maybe next time. Yeah. Before we talk about the last bit of this episode, I'd like to ask you to do something for us. And this would help us a lot. And that is go to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards and vote for Once Podcast under Best Produced every day through March 24th. But don't stop there because... We have several podcasts in Noodle Mix Network, and several of those podcasts are finalists in the awards as well. So please vote for, we have five different podcasts in different categories. One's podcast, Are You Just Watching, Beyond the To-Do List, The Audacity to Podcast, and The Productive Woman. We'd really love it if you would go vote for our podcast, and please do that every day through March 24th. It only takes a couple minutes, and you can see how to do it and see some of the other podcasts we recommend that you vote for in other categories by going to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. Please vote for us every day through March 24th. And we really have our hopes that we might be able to take home a medal this time or an award. And then we can put it up on the wall in the barn and Regina can you know, get really upset about it. But please visit the site oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. And you can even sign up there for an email list that all we're doing is just reminding you every day to go vote. And we're including a free compliment with every email. <laughs> so if you want to start your day with a compliment and feel great about the day, go sign up for that list at oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. And please vote for us every day. And thank you for your support. This is really about how awesome you are, not how awesome we are. Now, if we don't win the award, that doesn't mean you're not awesome. You're awesome for helping us, regardless of if we won. You're awesome for listening, for writing reviews for us in iTunes, for subscribing to the podcast, sending us your great feedback, chatting in the chat rooms when we do this live, and all of that stuff. And by the way, speaking of the chat room, we've got a bunch of people in there with us tonight. Our next full discussion live episode is going to be at a different time in the day. I can't tell you yet what time that will be, but uh, I will be in San Diego, actually. So there's a possibility... What we might do is that uh, Hunter might actually be hosting the podcast with us because uh, we would actually be in the same city then. So there might be a cool opportunity. And if you are in the San Diego area, I'll be hosting a meetup Wednesday morning near downtown San Diego. I don't have the exact details on that yet, but if you want to show up for that for uh, breakfast or brunch, then please email feedback at oncepodcast.com and put in the subject line San Diego. If you want to meet up with me Wednesday morning for a brunch, it will be, uh, we're going to go Dutch with it. But if you want to show up for the Dutch brunch, mm -hmm. then please email me and let me know and I'll send you details when I have those. So let's get to talking about this last thing that happens. They've got August now and he's back to man August. Great acting by Ian Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. You look genuinely scared. <laughs> I can't see this going well in any direction. Oh, there's so much in what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I can't either. And I'm not 
necessarily just talking about the plot. <laughs> well, okay, I guess I am, but you know, I think it's gonna be unpleasant for more reasons than one. I thought that they turned August back into a boy because Ian Bailey didn't want to be on the show anymore, but that could have just been a rumor. He looks a little bit different, and I'm guessing that since it's a family show, he's maybe just going to spill the beans if he knows anything. That seems more August-like to me. And it might not be that he knows the final answer, because we're only, what, three episodes into this half of the season? So he might only be able to say, all I know is this thing, or all I know is I go here and I get the pages or I, or mm-hmm. something like that. All I know is I picked up this typewriter and these books were with it or, or something yeah. where he doesn't actually know the author, but he'll be just one of the clues. Yeah. And torture assumes that the right thing is to not spill the beans and that the person that is to be tortured is planning to do the right thing, even at great personal cost. It took turning to wood and then getting tased somehow to make him do something selfless, brave, and true before. Who's to say that he won't just go, yeah, I'm really confused. I've been a child again for quite a while, and now I think I just want to get out of the situation. Well, and what happens to him after this? Do they kill him? Do they turn him back into a boy? Does he remain August? I think he'll remain August And he'll get to ride his motorcycle again. See, the sneaky thing, if it's possible to turn him back, which maybe it's not, maybe Rumpel can't do that, although he's said that he can with others. Maybe, you know, it would have been better if Regina had snuck in, maybe looked through a window, put them to sleep so they never saw her. Then they take Pinocchio, do whatever they're going to do, turn him back into a boy, put him back, and then they wake up. I could see them doing that. No one still. would know. Well, but I mean, I guess they could work on the memories too, but they totally saw Regina yeah. there. Well, that could be explained away by... Oh, you fell and hit your head. Uh, Pinocchio and Geppetto just waking up and saying, oh, I thought I saw Regina, but I guess mm-hmm. we were dreaming or we must have fallen asleep while we were working. Maybe. That'd be really shaky. Yeah. Do you think they're making the rocking horse for Snow and Charming's baby? Oh, that would be cute. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Geppetto did make other stuff for baby Emma. Yep. I thought they were going to turn the horse into an actual horse that was going to actually gallop for just a second. <laughs> Alina Harris sent an idea of maybe the direction that this season might go and end on a dark note. She said, what if the villains did succeed and tip the balance, and the villains won, and the heroes didn't in the season finale. We think Emma might become a villain, but since the Charmings went to great lengths for that not to happen, the villains kidnapped baby Neil and magically aged him to 21 years old, and instead of Emma being the greatest villain, baby Neil is. Next season could be them trying to save baby Neil and tipping the balance back. I don't know about the baby Neil thing, but the idea of this season ending with the villains getting their happy ending Hmm. could be a really nice cliffhanger. Here's another possible cliffhanger. The heroes win, but Emma uses dark magic to do it. Yeah, that would be a good story. And then doesn't really know what to make of it or is pretty much on a rampage, one or the other. Hmm. What if Emma's the villain of next season? Mm -hmm. That would 
Oh, that would be so weird if they did that. I could kind of see them doing that, but that just kind of messes with so many things. Well, evil isn't born, it's made. That's true. I mean, they'd have to definitely not just stick her in a cell and have Rumpel turn her to porcelain. They'd have to (laughs) redeem her, but yeah, it would be disconcerting. Hmm. Well, we would love your continued thoughts on this episode of Once Upon a Time. So please comment on the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 186 or post your ideas and share uh, your thoughts and theories and discuss other people's thoughts and theories in the forums on oncepodcast.com. We'd love to connect with you on Twitter. Please follow us at Once Podcast and follow each of us individually. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without our great team of volunteers. So special thanks to Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack writing our show notes, John Buchanan producing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline providing our spoilers. You'll hear from them in just a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums. Jacob helping with screenshots. Keb managing our timeline. Aliascape moderating the chat room. And my fellow co-hosts making this podcast together with me. And until next time, I think we should get out of here and go find some real trouble. (laughs) And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them and make a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, or a per-episode donation, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor, and remember to support us in the podcast awards at oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. When Henry... Had we? <laughs> when Henry was reading the book, <laughs> I just rewrote it to a child. <laughs> or someone with a bad cold. <laughs> When Henry, ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. ducklings. Yeah, you just made me have to drink water. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway, and I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast, Season Four, Episode Fifteen. Poor unfortunate soul. Hook leverages his complicated history with Ursula to find out what she knows about Gold's Endgame. Gold and the Queens of Darkness torture August for information about the author as Emma, Mary Margaret, and David race to find him. Regina grows concerned for Robin Hood's safety while she struggles to maintain her cover with the villains. In Fairytale Land, flashback, when a restless young Ursula enlists Hook's help to run away from home, she soon learns it isn't wise to trust a pirate. Yay! So we've got this one's written by Andrew Chambliss and Dana Horgan and directed by Steve Perlman. And we have some fun guest stars this week. Yes, we do. Do you want to talk about them? Well, we know, for instance, of course, we're having the Queens of Darkness come back. The Ladies of Darkness. Queens of Darkness, according to ABC, but Ladies of Darkness. Yes, if you are a hunter, you are kind of refusing to call them the Queens of Darkness. Yes. (laughs) We do have Joanna Garcia Swisher returning as Ariel. Which, you know, I'm excited about because we haven't seen Ariel in a while. Nope. And I like her. I do. I like her. 
We have Sean McGuire returning as Robin Hood. And we also have Christopher Gauthier returning as Smee, which makes sense since it's a hook, hook-centric flashback. We also have Ernie Hudson as Poseidon and Tiffany Boone as young Ursula. And she's quite pretty. I've seen a picture of her. She, she's going to, I think, do well as young Ursula. Yay. I can't wait. It's good. It looks like it's going to be a good episode. I love The Little Mermaid. I do, too. I'm a little worried because the actress who plays adult Ursula, Marin Dungey, did say that she doesn't have any scenes with Ariel. So I'm kind of confused as to how they're going to connect Ursula and The Little Mermaid. But we shall see. Hmm. Okay. So we did get a promo and some photos this time around, but I feel like the promo didn't really show us anything. It focuses more on what's going on between August and the Queens of Darkness, Rumpel and Regina, rather than any kind of, you know, flashback, letting you know what's going to happen in the past or teasing anything really between Hook and Ursula, even though (laughs) Ursula throws Hook off a ship with her tentacles, which delighted me to no end. And we did see a quick little snippet of Robin Hood and Regina. Yeah. And Regina, they kiss. Yes. And then Regina says something like, what are you doing here? And we don't know who she's talking to. Yeah. So we didn't really get much of anything. And unfortunately, no Canadian promo this week. So they always normally have different scenes, too. So that's kind of a bummer. Come on, Canadians. We need your promos. I can't get them. But we did get a couple photos. Yeah. And it they didn't really show much again. It's like the promo. The Ladies of Darkness with Golden Regina have August all tied up and gagged. Right. There were a few behind-the-scenes photos that never mm-hmm. made it onto, like, the official sites that we found. But there were some floating around Tumblr. We do see Hook in the past on the Jolly Roger. Uh, we see young Ursula, who's wearing a blue and gold gown. And she appears to be holding something. I'm not sure what it is. Okay. And then we do see one picture of Ernie Hudson as Poseidon. Yes. And he is upright. He's on two legs. Yeah, I kind of thought that was a little strange. I feel like they don't have enough in their budget to make this a heavy underwater episode. So I get the feeling that all the people that are people are going to be on land somehow. I, I think they might be wearing bracelets. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even look to see if he had a bracelet on. I should have. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's pretty much all we have for you in way of the next episode. Um, We do have a couple little extra fun things, such as episode 421. We do have a title. Yes, go ahead. It is Operation Mongoose Part 1, and it is written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Yes. And it is going to be a two-hour finale. And so there's a part one and a part two. Yeah, I'm betting 422 is Operation Mongoose Part 2. <laughs> yeah. We'll get the yeah. confirmation in maybe like a week or so, but I'm betting that's what it is. So that's kind of exciting, though. So we do have that. So I wonder if they're going to find out more about the author in that one. I think so. I think the Queens of Darkness plot is probably mostly going to be over by then, and we're going to be focusing on strictly the author. Yeah, because, well, we find out a lot because the one right before that is Mother. Right. And we do have some pictures that have come out for the finale, but we're going to hold back on those for now just because they're, they're big. <laughs> yes. And we don't want to 
give too much away this early in the season. This is one of those times where we're going to hold back. And we did see an interview with Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. They went through a little question and answer phase where we learned some things, but most of it was pretty much can't say. Yeah, if you've ever read interviews with Adam and Eddie, it's their typical yes, no, can't say. Yeah, but we did learn that Pongo, our favorite Dalmatian, will cross paths with Cruella. Yeah, we will learn more about page 23, which is the Regina and Robin kissing page that Robin found inexplicably last season. Yes. One thing that's different that they said is Maleficent is not a fairy in this show. Right, and... That's kind of surprised me because I know a lot of people were theorizing that she might be um, the Black Fairy. That just throws me because that's Maleficent has always been a fairy. Right. So that's just weird to me. They did answer the fact that Rumpel's quest for his new happy ending does not include any kind of plans for Balefire, but that the loss of Balefire does weigh heavily on him and will be addressed. Oh, and with that, I saw in another article that we will see full Rumpel. And so I'm going to guess that means we're going to see full Rumpel in Storybrooke because it was talking about the whole Rumbel and um, trying to, I guess, win her back or get his happily ever after. So we will also not see Atlantis. No. And if Emma does go evil, she will be known as Black Swan. (laughs) They won't be exploring the consequences for Snow and Charming sharing a heart this year, but it might be something they tease later on. And then we have a whole lot of I can't say. Yeah. So that was all, like, whenever they were asked questions, it was about who's going to die. They said, is someone going to die? And they said, we can't say. What happened to Anastasia, Will's love interest from Wonderland? They can't say if we're going to find out about that. Which is unacceptable. Well, they said they can't say, which means I'm going to guess it's probably going to happen because they would have flat out said no. Yeah, I just kind of wish they had said something like, yes, you will find out what happened to Anastasia, but we're not going to tell you right now what happened. Because we're, you know, we're almost 15 episodes into this season with Will as a new regular, and we still have no idea why he's in Storybrooke, where's Anastasia, what happened in Wonderland. But it also, they can't say if anyone's going to say I love you to each other. So like Regina and Robin or... Hook and Emma or Belle and Will. We've got all these new couples now. Yeah. And the final one that they said they can't say is if anyone is pregnant. Right. And that sent up some red flags. Yes. Because there are rumors that one of the characters on the show is pregnant based on some TV tricks they're doing about the way they are dressing her, the way that they're shooting her. Now, is she pregnant in real life? Do we know that? I don't know. For those who aren't uh, up to date yet, sorry, we're talking about Lana Perea, who plays Regina. And I honestly don't know if she is. They haven't said one way or the other. We try not to speculate on stuff like that, but there are some TV tricks that we think they're pulling to maybe give the illusion that Regina might be pregnant. Or that she's just pregnant in real life and they don't want to bring that into the show. Right. Okay. I'm just going to do a quick shout out to Chloe, who on Twitter said, we just changed your entire view of the show. And we thought that was really cool. Yeah, we did. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks for listening. Um, That's all we have for you this week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline. And you can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Until next time, oncers. (laughs) 